sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today. Bob Harris joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Football Diehard and check him out every single day, pretty much on Sirius XM Fantasy or on the NFL station over on Sirius as well. He's always talking football with our good pal Mike Dempsey or our good pal Michael Fabiano. So, so Bob, you're kind of all over. What's the schedule right now for you on Sirius XM? Because you're basically like, I mean, seven days a week. I thought two a days got canceled, but not for Bob Harris. Right, so it's six days a week this time of year, so that's uh, suitable. Two days a week with Fabiano and Fantasy Dirt. That's uh, Tuesday and Thursday, mm. 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then Football Diehards, you'll catch us uh, Friday and Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern, Saturdays and Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, don't miss out. Of course, you can listen to all these on demand. Just do the little search thing in your app or whatnot, and, and it all turns up at some point. But having a good time, staying busy, staying out of trouble, uh, and uh, and focusing on the football. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which, by the way, pretty good, right? I know we were talking about it last Holy weekend. Right. Yeah, I got I got to tell you, if you get a chance to see it in person, no matter how much the ticket price is, I highly recommend it because in person it is staggering. I and can I, only imagine. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's what draws me to these things: the staging and everything. Yeah. Uh, I know the last time I saw you in human form, I was in New York City and I went and saw my first play ever, you know, in person, and it was just such an amazing thing. Saw Book of Mormon. And just oh, love the way it was presented show. and everything. Yeah. And and since then, I've been started watching some of the operas on the Metropolitan stream for the same reason. Just to, like the way things look and move and the lighting and the staging and stuff. And I just play like some Slayer album over the top of it. <laughs> See? Look at that. Renaissance man, Bob Harris. That's why I love you, man. So versatile. All right. Let's get back into the football discussion. And let's talk about some of those teams that we always say every year, you know, bad defenses are good. We love bad defense because it gives us fantasy points on the offensive side sometimes and not just the opposing ones but the actual ones of those same teams trying to catch up so let's talk about those Cincinnati Bengals because this is a whole remade offense for the most part here we got Joe Burrow coming in you got in theory a healthy AJ Green you've got Joe Mixon here so you got two premium potential weapons here and then you've got a lot of ancillary pieces like Boyd and Ross and some other guys here so cherry pick if you will our let's start with aj green is that a guy that you are going after this year that you think has hit kind of a lower spot or do you think it's some of these other guys maybe even a t higgins or someone like that on cincinnati that might be an interesting get on your fantasy team in deeper leagues i think aj green is wide receiver 28 is is like a wonderful roll of the dice right hey man i just took him as my third in scott fishbowl so i'm pretty right, happy with I think, that i think that's where we're at on that right if you're looking for the discount this is always the thing we do and we've talked about this before joe you know, first thing when a season's over, I make a list of all the guys who are horrible disappointments that, you know, fantasy. Man By the way, awesome. everyone, I'm on that list every year. Right. I, just... <laughs> well, it's, it's, I call it the 10 foot pole list. Wouldn't touch them with yours. And uh, but I would touch them because everyone has value at the right price. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to gain value. And so A.J. Green has been on that list. He remains on that list. I imagine his value will come up. I'll still uh, willing to overpay for Joe Mixon. However, I think he's a. Uh, I think he's in for a really big season. If you look, what impressed me about the Bengals last year, because it wasn't much, um, it was Zach Taylor making the adjustment during the bye week, right? Like up to that point, we had Mixon with like 300 yards, no touchdowns. <clears throat> the line, the blocking was horrible. And Zach Taylor went in and, you know, studied some film, figured some things out, and they started running more quick tosses, more off-tackle things. And the next thing you know, Mixon goes on a terror. It was basically unstoppable the second half of the season. Had 4.6 yards of carry, five TDs, 177 carries, 817 yards down the stretch last year after we coming back week 10. So phenomenal close to the season. I think the offensive line improves. And maybe Joe Burrow threatens some people deep, uh, along with our friend A.J. Green, John Ross, you mentioned. Uh, I think a guy in best ball, you know, one of those last round, one of those yeah. last round specials, you know, I mean, we mm -hmm. saw what he's capable of. We know what the we know what the uh, hope for him has always been. And we know he's not going to live up to those hopes, but he can maybe do it for a week at a time. And when you're throwing those last round uh, flyers or dart tosses at best ball players, he's one of those for me. And Tyler Boyd, I think, you know, is kind of getting caught lost in the wash. I think he's a solid floor player still. I uh, don't know if he has the same upside as you like, but. But we'll see. I think I have high hopes for Joe Burrow. I think he's going to fare reasonably well. I think he could be a mid-level, you know, QB2 this year, and maybe a guy who could come in, 
if for the reasons you say, you know, the, somebody tests positive. I think, by the way, just an aside, everyone should start giving some consideration to the possibilities of all this and expanding mm -hmm. rosters, expanding IRs, expanding taxi squads. Consider team quarterbacks, right? Just, you know, if someone tests the day before a game or whatever, you're the day of a game, whatever, you have a quarterback on the field that day if you draft a team quarterback. So, you know, it's all these things I think are worth consideration. But, that you know, getting back on point, I think Burrow is a guy that maybe has a little bit of upside. I hear he threw 60 touchdowns last year. I don't <laughs> watch much true? college football. No. <laughs> well, look, man, uh, I, I think, you know, Burrow is that guy that it, it could just translate right away or you, you never know. Unfortunately, sometimes we sit here and talk about right. the what ifs of the guys who went one overall. But you know what? I, I think you hit the nail on the head there about bench spots. I think expanding to two more bench spots and even your casual league yes. is a smart thing to do. I mean, yeah. look, you're not asking too much more of people here. Yeah, I think it's something you really have to consider because, like we said, you know, somebody all of a sudden, you know, test positive, they could be gone for a few weeks. And how does that impact the rest of the roster? And, and it's just it's a lot to take in. And this is a year, I think, that certainly favors the people who have the greater knowledge of the player pool. And, right. uh, you know, speaking of player pools, too, uh, we're going to talk about the New York Jets for a moment. So, uh, Brett, our producer, I want you to put your earmuffs on because I know it's it's tough sometimes we talk about the Jets here. But I feel like. Crowder is one of these guys that's kind of slipping through the cracks a little bit. And he had a ton of targets last year. You know, Mims is the rookie. I know Brashad Perryman had some moments, but I, I've he's played on a lot of teams in the last couple of years. And that's always a red flag to me. So when you're looking at, you know, trying to find some guys late that are decent, let's say wide receiver fours, just on sheer volume, does Crowder pop to you as one of those potential guys that's kind of not a sexy pick, but a guy that could get you some points on like a weekly basis, basically? Oh my God, it's like a high floor kind of guy? My serious co-host, Mike Dempsey, will take offense to you not calling Crowder a sexy pick because he, <laughs> he, he gets quite excited when he thinks about him. And I and I, I get why. I mean, was there not a 14-target game? Heavily targeted, targeted in the red zone. Adam Gaze, while he will destroy the value of almost everyone he gets within close proximity to, that's not necessarily the case with slot receivers or Peyton Manning or Julius Thomas. So slot receivers in particular, I think, uh, you know, in, in Crowder's case, he's been heavily targeted big part of the offense and I think where you're getting him in drafts I think he's a great high floor guy uh in PPR and one that's not incapable of scoring you a touchdown or two all right let's try to hit the Redskins here for a second because obviously Terry McLaurin kind of came out of nowhere last year and uh, had a pretty good season I think we can all agree on that we do not know what we're going to get out of the quarterback play in Washington uh, I think any of us can look at that and be concerned but we also don't know to a certain extent what we're going to get out of the running game either this is an offense that's really looking for an identity, Bob. And Darius Geis, you know, when he was on the field for those two weeks there, you saw it. And, and that's what's so frustrating. You see the moments and you say, oh, my goodness, this is a player who could really make an impact on my fantasy roster. The problem is he's never on the field. So here we go. This is like, you know, the, it's been the fork in the road, I feel like, every year. But here we are again at the fork in the road. Do you take a late-round flyer on Geis? Is McLaurin a guy that's kind of getting overlooked? Is there anything here in Washington for you to kind of, you know, pluck late and just hope for the best? And maybe, just maybe, if you can get 14 or 15 healthy games out of Darius Geis, maybe he does show you why everyone was so high on him a few years ago. Yeah, and I think everyone should be high on him based on his ability and talent level and the brief glimpses. Brief, all too brief. <laughs> but all, but, but I think one of the things that's encouraging is he realizes that he called himself the best practice player in the NFL, uh, and he knows he needs to translate to the games. And sometimes you can't, you know, get away from bad luck. I know we like to uh, put labels on people, injury prone, this, that, you know. Mm. Look, I mean, this is a collision sport, and he's the object of every collision as a running back. And, and these things are going to happen. We've seen him be a capable playmaker. I think he's probably a better receiver than people are going to give him credit for coming in. And I think he is a, I think he's a viable guy. I'm more than willing to expend good draft capital on him. <clears throat> I think you're getting a fair price for him. McLaurin, I think he's going cheaper than I'm, I expected he would based on last year. Maybe people aren't believing in Dwayne Haskins. I know uh, I've seen articles recently where, you know, the kind of show that Haskins was maybe a little better down the stretch than we realized. I don't know if I want to hang my hat on that. You know he's in the best shape of his career, according oh, to Jones. Of course. I mean, I know you're in the best shape of your life. I know I am, too. According Every to his, year, this time of year, sure, absolutely. According to his Zoom workouts. Um, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think there's a lot to like about McLaurin, especially the, you know, he was great on the, the passes of 10 yards or more, air yards or more, uh, really racked up a lot of totals there. Uh, and also... I thought the level of competition he played against and the guys he beat last year, the cornerbacks he went up against and matched up against were really good. And he did a really good job. So 
I'm impressed with him. I think if I'm not looking at him, if I'm throwing the late round, the flyer card, Stephen Sims Jr., a Liz Lowe's a special, uh, she loves him. I like him. If you look at his production down the stretch, uh, and here he is seeing the similarities between himself and Steve Smith, seeing the coaching staff that's coming in from the Panthers, rubbing his little hands together, hoping passes come his way. Uh, look, I think, I think it's entirely possible that he has a reasonable year, and I've invested a few last-round best ball shares in him. All right, let's talk about another team that had really high expectations last year but was not good, and it's the Cleveland Browns. They've got a new coach, obviously, and it's Kevin Stefanski. And now, look, you're in a spot here where there are a lot of weapons, and Baker Mayfield had high expectations last year. He did not live up to them, but you're giving him Landry and Beckham. You're giving him Hunt and <laughs> Nick Chubb. I mean, there's a lot here. You're barring the tight end, Austin Hooper. So it's not necessarily an issue of of weapons and, and talent. It's a matter of execution at this point. So yeah. do you think that Baker Mayfield can execute with this offense? Because it would seem like this is a great kind of post-hype time to buy in. And I know I've got all the Kareem Hunt shares I can possibly handle. Right. And look, I get Hunt being you. I mean, we, the, the numbers down the stretch are, you can't argue with them. <laughs> you can argue that Nick Chubb is a better player than people give him credit for. He I would agree with that. Contact, playmaking ability, long speed, ability to break big runs. And Kevin Stefanski coming in, if we're going to extrapolate the kind of running percentage numbers over to where he is in Cleveland, maybe that's not going to happen. He has a lot more weapons on the outside. And, you know, you also see Odell Beckham talking about the comparisons between Thielen and Diggs for him and Landry. I get that as well. So, look, it's going to be better. Freddie Kitchens and, uh, and Munkin didn't. Todd Munkin didn't get to get along together. It was totally dysfunctional there in terms of how the, you know, the, the coaching staff was working. Mm -hmm. It clearly filtered down to the players when you could see guys on the field talking to other coaches, telling me, get me out of here. You know something's going wrong. So it's going to improve. I think Odell Beckham, you're getting a little bit of a discount there. Maybe not so much on Landry. Both of them come on off surgery. That worries me a little bit. Don't overpay for Hooper, though, like the like the Browns did. Um, so <laughs> you're, yeah. you're paying for all that. You're paying for the dirt cutter targets right. uh, share that maybe will better go to Hayden Hurst anyway. And the time he invested in the offseason with Matt Ryan paid off. I don't know if he's going to be that same guy in, in Cleveland. Well, Bob Harris is always the same guy. He's always awesome. Go check him out on SiriusXM Fantasy and on the NFL channel as well, talking football. And go check out the Fantasy Football Diehard magazines that are going to be hitting uh, all of those stores everywhere. So go pick them up because Bob and his team do outstanding work. Bob and I are actually knee-deep in a 32-team dynasty slow draft right now that Mike Dempsey created. How how's your team going so far before we get out of here? You, you like what you see so far? Give me 10 seconds. Yeah. Pretty happy with how it's going. Jonathan Taylor, the apple of my eye, running behind that offensive line for years to come. There you go. And Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones. All the pieces falling into place. Bob, thanks so much for your time. We always love talking football with you. And again, go give him a follow on Twitter at Football Diehard. We're going to take a break here on FST. When we come back, Craig will be back right here on Sports Grid. Stay with us. In game live for you. You talk about the guy on second base. I think that could be just this season under the guise of safety and safety controls. I don't know how they're going to maintain this. No high fives. No, you know, hugging at that home plate on a walk off home run. No, you know, or, or what about no fights? I imagine that you'll get a warning first, something like that, and then low fines, fifty dollars, a hundred. I don't know to try and get you to stop. Catch the program every single day on FNTSY Radio and on the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thanks again to Bob Harris for coming on our show today. Love Bob. Loved uh, working with him on uh, satellite radio for many years. Joe, I actually uh, used to host with Bob... Uh, I think it was uh, Mike Dempsey mm -hmm. that would host. Mike Dempsey host with him on Still radio. Does. Yep. And, right. And so what would happen was basically two times a year, uh, Mike would have to do the Jaguars games, right, mm -hmm. on Thursday night. Right. Because right. they'd always play Tennessee on Thursday night, right? Isn't that those running <laughs> Pretty jokes? much. Yeah, pretty right. much. <laughs> so, so in the preseason, I would have to host that show. And then on the uh, one Thursday night a year, Bob would ask if I could host with him because I was like the backup host for I would. Oh, I, I, I just did uh, a full hour with those two boys. Uh, we're actually in a 32-team IDP Dynasty League draft right now. Uh, yeah, so every player's doubled. It's fascinating. It's fun. Mike asked me to do it, but those guys actually 
where uh, when I first started in radio there, doing the 10 to 1 a.m. shift on Saturday nights, which That's I can right. assure you, nobody was calling me. Uh, they were always so gracious. They were the Saturday in the summertime. They would be the, the lead into that show. And then I would take over at 10. But they would always have me on to crosstalk. And even though Bob hates baseball at the time, it was a baseball show. He would, you know, because hey, he's new to the network. You got to let's get Joe on. And, and that's how I got to know those guys so well, because I would always do that last segment with him. And we would banter and go back and forth and became great friends. And when I started the, you know, when I was still writing the Black Book series and switching and, and expanding football, Bob was such a huge help to me. And, you know, it's one of these things where it's kind of the same business Bob is in. But he was always like, well, what can I do to help? How can I what can I do for you? All these other things. Yeah, always and, a good guy. And, and it's just it always stuck with me. And it's something that I have in turn tried to do as well to anyone who's doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, I'll answer any question you have. How can I help you? Because Bob is always one of these guys. And I said it in the interview who he understands that the world is big enough for lots of different voices and actually makes the community much better. And uh, one of the great uh, both those guys, uh, just two of the absolute best in terms of professionals and and Mike, too, man. Mike is so much fun. And I still go on that show uh, quite a bit during the year on the NFL channel that they have now. So they've expanded from the fancy channel to the NFL channel, too, which is great for them. Cool. All right. Let's uh, let's get back to baseball here. We're going to look at the season win totals for the two teams in New York today. Mets and Yankees will start off. With the Mets, their total is 32 and a half players going on the injured list. No, I'm just kidding. It's 32, <laughs> 32 and a half wins, minus 106 <sighs> on the over, and the under is minus 116, so a little lean here uh, toward this very clearly. As we've gone over a lot of these totals, you could go back and watch our SportsGrid channel uh, on demand over at SportsGrid.com and YouTube. A lot of the totals are around this number, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, because there's just not going to be – that much differentiation in a short season, sure, you're going to have a team that's going to be like 15 and 40-something. Like, yeah, there's going to be a couple of those. Uh, but overall, there's not. A lot of teams are going to be right around 500, and that's essentially where they're pegging the Mets to be. Of course, the big injury for the Mets going into this campaign is Noah Syndergaard. There's some thought process that maybe you want know, Cespedes is healthy and maybe he can DH <laughs> a little bit for them. Who knows? Yeah, yeah there's, there's still a lot of questions. I, I, I see... When I look at the Mets, Joe, this is the number I see. Like, I see them right at this. A little bit over 500, a little bit below 500. Uh, the Mets, I think, are actually better suited for the long run than they are they for are. the short run. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, here, here's the one thing I will say. Um, and I, I almost don't even want to say it. Like, I feel like it's going to be one of those things I say it, and it's going to hang like a cartoon bubble out of my mouth, and I'm going to regret it later. But I like the Mets bullpen quite a bit. And I think even with the Syndergaard injury, if they had this, if they still had Syndergaard in the rotation, then I think the Mets could be really formidable, especially because you're starting to see that Phillies bullpen disintegrate. And I mean disintegrate quickly right before us. And that's not good because the back of that rotation is not good, which means it's going to put even more stress on a bullpen that really can't support it anyway. I don't know what you're going to get out of Waka. I think Stroman's a guy that's going to take the ball and always give you a chance to win. I don't think anybody can ever assume what you're going to get out of Mats. But I think the, if they can stay in games... I think Lugo, Gisellman, uh, I think the back of this, you know, bullpen here with Diaz and Batances, this is one of the better bullpens out there. And I think in this year where there's no restrictions really on managing the bullpen, it's like, well, you know, we got to ease up on these guys. It's only May. No, no, no. no. Everyone's going to be out there and guys are going to be going two innings. And the Mets might be better suited actually with this bullpen than some other teams in this division as they continue to lose starting pitchers and some other guys in rotation. Now, health is everything here. But there's part of me that thinks the Mets can go over. I don't want to bet it because I think it's fool, foolish to do so. Because like you said, this is pretty much who they are. They're probably just slightly above 500. That's what they yeah, were last year. Like but it feels like also you have to take into account what's happening with the other teams. Freddie Freeman's out for a while. Okay. Uh, what about the Phillies? Oh, the bullpen's disintegrating. And all of a sudden you start to look at this very heavy schedule where they're basically just playing each other for the most part. And you go, hmm. Is there an opportunity here for the Mets to maybe beat up on these teams where you thought they were just going to all beat up on each other? And it could be. It could be a fun two months for the Mets. Of course, for the Mets, it could be miserable, too. I'd stay away from it, but I'll tell you what, man. I think there's a small chance this bullpen carries them above this number, and it would not shock me, but I don't so think I feel So who confident. do you like in their pen? 
Uh, well, look, I haven't given up on Diaz. He's way too young already to give up on. And, right. and the strikeout he's, rate's the same. He's, he's a guy that is probably due for a bounce back. Look, young kid, too. First year in New York City. I think it's a let's, lot to take Let's assume he's a little bit better. Who, I who think else Tantus on a one-year deal is... Gotta like that. Gotta cool. like Patantis. I think who you else? gotta love Lugo. You gotta love Gazelman. Those are two Lugo. more guys. Uh, I'm not sure about Gazelman, but Lugo, okay. Gazelman's <laughs> pretty good. I mean, you'll blow up his stats if you All want. Right. But, but, I mean, yeah. that's four guys right there. Give me four deep on any other team in the east that you feel good about i can't do it uh because because uh, smith is out right now for the braves right that's true that's true and the, and the, there's no dominguez there's no naris there's no robertson for the phillies I, i'm just making the point where no, their their division bullpen wise that is fair i i think so i mean they're better than the marlins bullpen too yes uh the nationals bullpen i don't know craig do you that, in that love could with be better are you in love with a Nats bullpen? I love the starting pitching. Eh, I don't know about the bullpen. I'm just saying. By the way, Robert Nets... Gesellman is, is not good, so I went. I did check the stats. So please yeah, move. He's got some moments there. Uh, I think no, since they moved him not. to the bullpen, he he's all right. Uh, Lugo is terrific. <laughs> you you knew you were wrong when you said you could check the stats. You had yeah, a bad you check the feeling. stats. I called he called my bluff. You're like, oh, uh-oh, he's good. Craig Craig had that look. He's gonna check the stats, and, and he I, did. I was like, oh, was not good at all. I always know you're gonna check the stats. But look, he, here's the thing, man. Even just with the three guys, right? Those three yeah. guys in the well, seventy. Familia is the other one you could have had. Oh, uh, see, you know, I, I don't know how do I feel about Familia too. I like Familia is, more than I like Gazelle. But Familia is that classic guy that one year is good, the next year he's a disaster. So we'll, we, you know, so you just don't know which one you're getting. Um, and Brett thinks Familia is better than Diaz. I'm sorry, I'm, I can't he, get there. Uh, you may be right. He's okay, not, well, let's throw Familia in the mix. Look, so let's the, replace. Look, let, let's forget that you said Gazelman was good, and let's go back to what you said, which is true in the division. With a, with an unhealthy Braves bullpen, because I can't give it to you if the Braves bullpen is healthy. But with an unhealthy Braves bullpen, the Mets have the best bullpen in the division. That's fair. That okay. is fair. And that, I think, is going to account for something in this short period where you don't have bullpen restrictions. And like, by the way, their starters may stack up against all those other teams, too, outside of Washington. Uh, well, here's the thing. Not against Washington, no. But against everybody else? I, you know, it, Look, I'll they tell you what. Porcello, too. It's not terrible. Here's the thing. Porcello. I said was going to get hurt anyway. <laughs> no, but couldn't we just have yeah, two guard For what? For a week? Uh, well, here, All right, so we're, we're passing on the Mets. Let's go I'm going to pass on the Mets, but yeah, before we get to the pass. Yankees, because the Yankees are easy anyway. If Porcello and Stroman just get the ball to the seventh inning. And they have Waka. Somehow, well, we'll see. Oh, I want to count on Waka. <laughs> I want to count on guy. Him. It's fine. Well, maybe. I mean, he's, maybe. I mean, him as a five is better than half the league. Him as a five is is theoretically better, but I don't know what's left in that tank, and you don't know either. None of us I, know. I don't know, but... Thing. But I think Stroman and Porcello... I'll take it over the garbage I see everywhere else. Look, Stroman and Porcello are two guys that I think you can look at that. You, you get Porcello out of Fenway Park. I think that's a positive to get him in City Field. It's a little bit more of a neutral environment. I, I, I'm optimistic that if you can get those guys... If these guys can just produce quality starts, then the Mets are going to be competitive. Might be a lot of like late-inning wins for the Mets, but I think... They're gonna ha- they're gonna, it's going to come down to the last week for them, that's for sure. All right, we'll <laughs> so pass. Say about All right, uh, Yankees. <laughs> let's go to the Yankees. We're going to run out All of right. time. Yankees are at 37.5, plus 102, so you could get a little plus money if they go... Uh, was it 38 and 22? It's 16. That's a lot. 16 games over 500. Uh, under 37 and, and a half is minus 124. Uh, thus far, I think we're only missing LeMahieu, right? Like that's the main loss. Uh, thus well, far. Tanaka did get whacked in the head by. Yeah, Jay you would assume. Dead, but you would hope I mean, he's okay. <laughs> assume that in two weeks he can he can make a start. Yeah, but look, you just said about in two weeks, right? How does that put guys behind trying to ramp up arm wise again? Like I don't know. I don't. Yeah, but, but he's not sick. No, I mean, no but concussions are no joke, man. Yeah, you no, well, look, that's fair. We'll have to see. We'll have to see with him. I'm, I'm not uh, as optimistic but, but, as you but, are. It, it's a it's a stacked team, regardless. They uh, they are they're the downside for the Yankees is they're going to have to play the Nationals a bunch. They're going to have to play the Braves a bunch. They're going to have to play the Phillies a bunch. These are not walkover teams that they would have gotten no. in the NL Central or the American League Central or something like. That. They're missing some of those those games. So I think the schedule is going to be a little bit harder on them. I, I'm not going to pick any team to go 40 and 20. So I'm going to go under. I'm going to pick under here. You know what? I I, I kind of feel like you're right. I don't think it's going to be much under. But under feels like a, a better route to lean with this team. And it's, it's not because they're not loaded. They are. But you're just asking a lot under the circumstances with some other competitive teams out there. If they and were th- just. And by the way, 36 and 24 would be awesome. You know, yeah. that'd be. Oh, yeah. Well, I think even 35 wins would be pretty awesome in the, yeah, so under I, the circumstances. I'm not, I'm not picking this team to go over that. 
I, I mean, the Dodgers are dicey to go against just because I just where they're playing and the division they're playing in. Um, well, I'll tell you Yankees, what, Yankees, Eduardo Yankees Rodriguez. beat up on the Orioles. You know they're going to beat up on the Orioles like they always do anyway. So, but beyond well, that, is there any pushover? Well, anymore? here's a curious. I guess here's the question you'd ask. And yourself. they didn't get the Mar. They only get the Marlins three times. They thought they, they only get the Marlins three times, but they're going to get the Red Sox without Eduardo Rodriguez and without Chris Sale, probably. Right. Um, they're going well, to they, also. They, but they beat them twenty times last year. They, they did. They did. Look, I actually saw a stat yes, yesterday on Yes Network. They were running the uh, the Yankee little, you know, scrimmage, as it were. And they were in a stat that their worst stretch last year, they were still like five games over 500. The Yankees. So this was a team that really did not struggle very much, basically wire to wire. And, you know, we forget that, you know, even when you go past the Stanton and the Judges and the Torreses, you still got the LeMayhews. You still got Gary Sanchez, who can hit their own. the 30 home run power bat. Um, but I think that the other question is what the Blue Jays are, too. Um, I would imagine the Yankees are that's, far better than the Blue Jays. But that's another oh, one. Oh, yeah, seems they'll be better. Play. I just it's it's a hard team to pick. It's a very hard team to pick. But I mean, when you're looking on the at the verge schedule, of being good, but maybe not. Yeah. But I mean, can they get hot for six weeks? Yeah. Uh, and, and be a thorn in the side to the Yankees? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. And I think when you're looking right now, the only real legitimate competition they have in this division is the Rays, and they are legitimate. That is a really good pitching staff. I think they should be, you know, very aware of that. The Rays are going to be hyper competitive, I think. But Boston's not going to be what Boston usually is. So even though they beat up on Boston last year, it could even be, you know, the same kind of deal this year with getting off to the start that Boston has in that rotation, which is not a good one for sure. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. More fantasy sports today coming at you in just a couple of minutes. As a reminder, we are off and running on Sports Grid Radio. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sports Grid Radio and catch Scott Wetzel's show every single morning, Bagels and Bad Beats. Also, Gabe Morency has a show on Sports Grid Radio. And wouldn't you know, of course, our good buddy Scott Farrell, coast to coast on radio, on television, and on Sports Grid. Also, of course, a huge congratulations. To, uh, to Pat McAfee, uh, who doesn't need congratulations, but he is joining us every single day right here on SportsGrid. And uh, the partnership we, we have with FanDuel is off and running. And so are we. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. And welcome back as we take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Matt Sells is going to join us on tomorrow's show to preview the weekend truck race on NASCAR. Of course, Gray Albright will be with us on the show. Uh, as you probably heard about the announcement, Pat McAfee and FanDuel uh, joining up with us here at SportsGrid, Pat will be on every single day here on our network. It's really exciting to say. Uh, also, stay tuned for a little announcement coming on our show here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Joe and I are not going anywhere, but we may have a little bit of a time change coming here. You'll have to stay tuned to find out to that. Uh, also, just follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish at JoePizzaPia17. We will uh, certainly let you know, but with the baseball season coming up, Got to get more in-depth, and of course, I'll be at a lot of games this baseball season at Marlins Park. Uh, one of the places where I will not be traveling to is the West Coast. And let's start <laughs> off there today, Joe. The <laughs> Oakland Athletics, uh, their total for 2020 is 33 and a half. Simply put, FanDuel and uh, I'm sure uh, Las Vegas sportsbooks are just tired of picking under on Oakland, you know? It's like enough is enough with this team. Every year mm -hmm. you have them not winning, and then they end up winning. It's like every year this happens. That's like, it's like, like, like the Brewers yesterday we talked about. Same thing. It's like how many times are we going to get fooled by the o same Oakland, thing? Oakland, in a 20-year span, they're going to win 18 times. They're going to hurt you two years. You just don't know when they are. They're just going to fall apart, but then they're going to come right back the next year. You know, we did that whole thing with the NFL teams over the last decade. I'd love to see the Major League Baseball team records over the last decade. I wonder how telling that is of which franchises we look up. And I bet the A's are one of them. We go, wow, look how many games the A's won in the last 10 years. I bet it would be shocking. I, I think of the Marlins. Probably not good. No, probably not. Probably not a good number. But that's All right. So 33 and a half is their number. They're predicted to go over 500 and compete for a spot in the playoffs uh, postseason. No doubt. That's what this number is telling you right here. And the odds are even at uh, 33 and a half. 
Oakland, we thought, was going into the season with a really strong starting rotation. And then, of course, back in March, A.J. Puck got hurt. Looks like he is healthy now. Jesus Lazardo is somewhat questionable for the season. The good news is, if you watched our show yesterday, or two days ago yesterday, Mike Fires did come back to Oakland A's camp. He hasn't started throwing yet, but that's definitely a good sign. So if he gets back on the field, they have him back. They have Manaya. They have Frankie Montas. You know, they have a bunch of probably twos and three starters. I don't know that they necessarily have an ace, but we'll have to see what Oakland does have is some monster hitting, Joe. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, if Chris Davis can get right this year. It's it's a extremely formidable lineup. And short season, long season, I don't think that it matters. Oakland's going to hit. The only issue with the A's to this point is they were the last team out of the gate to get restarted because of the testing with COVID. That's right. the only thing that they have going against them. I don't know that I'm ready yet to quantify that because I still think there's plenty of time for them to get ready because it's now. But if you told me that they missed a few more practices, man, I would be really cognizant of this and and worried that the beginning of the season would be a little bit of a struggle for them. Um, look, within their own division, they certainly have a shot. I mean, Houston's formidable and, and the Angels are formidable. I get it. But, you know, they're, they're not unbeatable teams, I don't think. So... I mean, I, I hate betting against Oakland because it's a losing proposition every year. So for me, it's either over or a pass. I'm not going to go under on them again. Never going to do that. Yeah, you also failed to mention uh, Ramon Lariano, who, uh, in his own right, is one of the best, best uh, two-way players player in the league. Uh, not a bad offensive one either last year. Let's let's yeah. recognize he really came into his own with the bat. Look, this is a really good team. And uh, I will take a shot here and say that Frankie Montas is an ace. And I'll say this, when everybody's healthy in this rotation, this is a better rotation than the Angels. Now, can they stack up against the Astros? No, I don't think they can. However, I think they can stack up against the Angels, and I think they can give them a real run for their money again. And I, I you know, if you ask me to pick one of the two who's going to have a better season, I'm going to pick the A's. Uh, Bassett already said that he's ready to go five innings if needed. Uh, he said that by opening day, he's going to be ready at five innings. So that's good news in terms of the Lazardo fires front. If you're worried at all, at least there's somebody out there that seems to be ready to take the ball. They have an eye in the rotation as well. We'll see what A.J. Pock, you get out of him eventually. But it's really about this offense. Uh, Chris Davis is a perennial 40 home run guy. He had a down year after he ran into a wall early in the season and then played through it. He didn't go on the I.L. Everybody complains when guys go on the I.L. Oh, I got hurt on the I.L. Well, if this guy played through the injury. And what did everybody do? They complain. They complain, oh, well, he's not as good as he was last year. Well, you know what? He's playing through an injury. He is not healthy, and he's still trying to give you some productivity. So it's like you can't win either way. But if you go back and look at track record, this guy, you know exactly, literally, to the decimal point, you're getting a 247 batting average and 40 home run power. That's what you're getting out of this guy when he's right. And hopefully he will be right. Now, obviously, a short season, it's different. But we're talking about a middle of the order with those three bats, Simeon at the top of it, Loriano possibly in the two spot. Man, they even got productivity out of guys like Marcana last year. So they were productive basically top to bottom. They were really good despite the fact Frankie Montas got popped with a suspension. Like, it's amazing what the A's are able to do. My question to you is how do you feel about their bullpen? Because once again, I feel like bullpens are really going to be a huge factor in this first part of the 30 games of the 60-game season. I think it's okay. They have some decent arms. I mean, Hendricks is is a guy that I'd bet against, honestly. I just I, mean, I, I can't just go off one year. And That's the, the problem, guy is, right? Guy's good one year. Close. Next year, who knows? It's like the Hansel Robles thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they'll find a way to piece it together like they always do. And and that's a team also that I could see making a trade at the deadline and adding a guy if they needed to. Like, I, I'm not particularly worried about that. I, I think their starting pitching is strong enough. I, I got a question for you, and I don't, you know, probably know the answer, but I, I know you're kind of nose to the grindstone a little bit more. Franklin Barreto, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I know you're not going to have a definitive probably answer. Probably ends up here. a bust, yeah. I was going to say, is that where we're at? Probably. Like, probably bust, yeah. You know, because you look back at that Donaldson. Everybody works out. No, but you look back at that Donaldson trade and you're dealing an MVP, you got to get something, I think, that works out, and they're going to have nothing to show for that deal, probably which is not. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, probably not. I mean, look, he's, he's still young and he still has a chance, but he's the kind of player that I think that you'll see them move him. He'll end up changing. Well, I think this is the danger of when you deal in a, a big-time guy and you get back 18-year-old kids back. Like, at the time, I think he was 18 years old when that trade was made, or 19 years old. That is such a huge cavern in terms of 
the things that can go wrong. Like everyone's like, oh, you can't miss. You can't. Well, you know what? When you're 18, 19 years old, a lot of things can change by the time you're 21, 22. And I just, you know, when you're making those kind of moves for the big time player and you're a small market organization, you need to get back something that's a little bit more of a sure thing than a, no matter how much you love the tools or the skill set of a young 18 year old kid. I just think it was a bad look at the time. I was shocked that that was the crown jewel of the deal that they got for Donaldson. And here we are all these years later, Donaldson's back in the American league now. And, you know, Barreto we're still waiting on, but it looks like he's going to get a shot to play every day at least. Yeah, no, I, I think he will. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sold at all. Yeah. All right. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies, their total is 31 and a half and the over is minus one Oh six, the under minus minus one eighteen. So uh, thought process is here is that this could be an above 500 team, could be a below 500 team. And sure, we're, we're sort of guessing here. Uh, OK, so the Phillies have a lot going for them and a lot going against them. It's one of these really polarizing teams going into the year. Uh, what are the positives? Uh, Real Muto's going into a season potentially where he could become a free agent. Harper is is Harper and going into his second year with Philadelphia. They have Didi Gregorius, too. They have Scott Kingery. Like, it's it's a good team. Um, they got Zach Wheeler, and outside of having a baby, Zach Wheeler has a chance to take that next step. Uh, and I think maybe the maybe the <laughs> I most hope his, I hope his body bounces back. <laughs> maybe the most important thing of all this is they got a manager that's worth a few wins. It's very rare to say that, but Joe Girardi is worth plus two, plus three in the win column. He is. He's a really good manager. But on the negative side, they don't have a bullpen. Their pitching is a wreck. <laughs> and, and and look, and, and their, their top pitcher right now isn't on a mound yet. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what to think of Philadelphia. I think that this is one of those that I would love to have in my back pocket and bet it the night before the season because I just think right now it's it's a pass for me because there's just too much there. But I would tend to go over because of the manager. I know it's crazy to say, but I think Philadelphia is better than a 500 team in 162, which makes me think that they're better 500 than a 500 team in 60. And it's a rare scenario where if it comes down and literally Joe, they need like a couple of wins to get over this number. I want to bet on the guy that the skipper that I know that that can help. And I think that he can, I'm a fan of the manager. Yeah. Well, managing the Yankees is a lot easier than managing the Phillies right now on this roster. And I know he did a good job with the Marlins too. I remember. I remember. Never I had a bad year managing. I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Uh, well, how long did he mar- manage the Marlins though? Well, that's, I, that's, uh, uh, we could do two shows on that scenario. <laughs> was, it two year, was it two years? No, it was one. It was one. It was, was one manager year, of the one year. manager of the year, and then he was gone to New York. Um, well, he didn't get along with the owner. Well, he didn't get along with the owner. So he had one good year with the Marlins, and then he got to manage the Yankees. And it's... But that you was know, the last time the Marlins were like above 500. It's been like 20 I, years. I, I got you. I I feel you, dog. I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of of. of I know, but I've also lived up here for the last you know 20 plus years, and I I remember a lot of watching Joe Girardi, and people complaining about Girardi's certain you know mismanaging the bullpens and things Everybody of that nature. Everybody complains about. I know, them. I know, I know. But you know what? I also saw him make a lot of weird decisions in the playoff games too. They did come back to haunt them in weird spots, and I know everything broke right. Me, you're okay. telling me Philadelphia is not can't go 32 and 30. I'm telling you, with the rest of this roster, I think that they're going to need a couple rabbit out of the hat wins of Joe Girardi in order to to do it. And I just I'm being realistic, and I like Reese Hoskins. I love Hold on a second. Jake Arrieta has given you nothing. The yeah, last no pitcher. I understand that. Okay, Zach Eflin. Good luck. I don't know what he is. Nick Pavetta was dreadful last Forget year. Move on. Down to the minor leagues. Yeah. Velasquez. Right. You keep saying move on, but then you're basically asking Zach Wheeler and Aranola to be Strasburg and Scherzer, and they're not. And they can if they're healthy. I like those two at the top. You know what? I, I've watched a lot of Zach Wheeler. He is an up-and-down pitcher. He looks great one start, great one inning, the next inning, the next start, not the same guy. And my bigger problem is the bullpen. Okay? They have a horrible bullpen. You lose Neris now. No Dominguez. And I know nobody likes Dominguez anyway. Yeah, you're basically down to Morgan and Alvarez. <laughs> like, that's nothing. what you've got. Like, they they've got nothing. they got Tommy Hunter and Francisco Liriano. I can't argue that. But, but, but it's a thing. 500 team. I, it's a 500 I don't care how many, how many moves you can make if you're Joe Girardi. If you don't have the players, you don't have the players. And I just feel like the Phillies right now, yeah, they have some big-time stars, and that's awesome. But unfortunately, you have two starters, not five, and you have zero in the bullpen right now. 
That is not a good equation when you're fighting teams like the Mets, like the Nationals, like the Braves. I'm sorry, it's not a good equation. So I, I, I think bet you the Phillies are 31 and 29 going into the last game of the season. Um, yeah, I don't think they will be. You think they're I, below that? All right. I think they're below that. I really do. And it's not because Girardi. I think it's just being realistic and looking at the roster, Craig. All right. Got to be realistic on this show for sure. We'll wrap it all up when we come back next. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia. Great to be with you here. And uh, don't go away. We're back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. And, of course, this weekend, it's really time to start heating up diamond bets here on Sports Grid. As, uh, Joe, I can only imagine, as we get closer, you guys have a lot to talk about this weekend. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so many adjustments. Uh, so many guys are already testing positive what the first couple of weeks of Major League Baseball are going to look like. And... Uh, some of the names that you might need to know. We're going to probably de- dive deeper on some of these guys like Monte Harrison, some other players. Plus, we're going to continue to look at uh, the wagering side of baseball as we do on Diamond Bets. And we'll always give you a few laughs so you can check us out. And us, I mean Matt Stryker and me, Joey P, on Sundays right here on Sports Grid. Got some card flipping going on? Uh, we might as well have some card flipping. I don't know if you saw the last one. It was... Uh, it was two guys with some whack. I think it was a Pete. Was it a Pete Ladd or a, it was a Ken Phelps mustache or something? Somebody had like a weird mustache and a Kurt Schilling with a weird mustache from 1989 Donruss. And the question was, which one of these guys uh, would you least like to see show up in your Uber driver? And uh, I think that was a very fun discussion. So you might have to check out that. That's going to be a good time. <laughs> All right, I will. I'll check it out. All right, uh, really something interesting that the Mets and Yankees are doing. As uh, the 20th anniversary is coming up of the September 11th attack on New York City, and the Mets, Joe, are going to face the Yankees on the uh, on that date of September 11th, and certainly I have a story that I could share. I'm sure that you can as well. Uh, but either way, Joe, Mike Piazza, you know, certainly had some uh, very heartfelt things to say. Yeah, he absolutely did. And uh, I am the son of a 9/11 survivor. Uh, my dad actually worked in the World Trade Center. Uh, for the bulk of my entire life, I used to go there, visit him quite a bit. And um, I was actually in Philadelphia doing a show and I was off that day, didn't have a rehearsal. And uh, I remember my mother frantically calling me at eight something in the morning, screaming and saying, he's OK, he's OK. And I have no idea what's going on. I turn on the TV and I I see what I see, which was just, uh, again, I think the most surreal experience ever. And um, luckily, eventually, he was able to get off the island of Manhattan. And uh, I remember he was going into an elevator in the first tower when the first plane hit. So just a couple seconds could have been very different. And uh, he also worked on the project afterwards of rebuilding uh, the pass station and some other projects down there. My father's an architect. Uh, so he actually worked on some of the rebuilding. So 9-11 really hit my family and, and you know, in a very different way. And we we're very lucky compared to so many other people. And uh, the first time that I felt normal again, in some way, was that Mets-Braves game where Mike Piazza hit that home run. And Mike Piazza had that moment there. And, you know, the Mets and Braves who hated each other, and I hated the Braves, and everyone's out there, and they're wearing the NYPD hats and the, you know, NYFD hats. And um, it was a great moment for the city and a great moment for humanity. And I think it's important sometimes where, you know, when things are all going wrong, we come together as a nation on around sports. I mean, we just do. It's it's what we do in America. It's how we do things. Sports are a real piece of that fabric of this flag. And I think that uh, that's why I feel like in this pandemic and some of the racial issues going on in this country and the political issues going on in this country, when we don't have sports, we don't have that communal piece to come together. And when we're missing that piece of the puzzle, and I think that's in a way why this has been so much harder than some other things, because we look to those moments and those places to kind of transcend where everybody can feel good about something again. And and we haven't had that. Hopefully we will in a few weeks. And that's why I'm trying to be optimistic that despite some of these early struggles here, that we're going to get past them and things are going to get better. And we're going to just adjust to whatever this new normal is. And something is better than nothing. But I think it's going to be a very uh, touching and incredible moment there 
to have the Yankees and the Mets play each other on the 20th anniversary. And I'm sure the city of New York is going to do some great things and honor so many uh, of the heroes that lost their life uh, trying to obviously rescue people on that day and the people who subsequently passed away after in the cleanup that often get forgotten. I know John Stewart's done some great work uh, for those folks who have had countless other diseases and health issues in the aftermath of 9-11. So it wasn't just that day, it was for years afterwards. So um, like I said, I'm hopeful that that's going to be something we can all, you know, once again, kind of commune and get around. And, and you said you have a 9-11 story as well. So I'm curious to hear yours. Yeah, no, uh, before we do that, why don't you read the quote from Mike Piazza? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mike Piazza here, he says, I'm sure it will be a very emotional night as we continue to honor the legacy for those who perished on 9-11. As much as it is still very painful for me personally to reflect on the tragedy of the day's events, we must never forget the sacrifice. Major League Baseball, as well as both the New York teams, were particularly instrumental in the recovery process, so it's very appropriate they will be together on this day, and I could not agree more. It's very appropriate. It's very important. I'm glad Major League Baseball made this work from a scheduling standpoint. It is important. We, we should have this. It's, it's going to be a great day for New York baseball and a great day for baseball in this country as well. And it's kind of shocking to sit back and realize, my goodness, it's going to be 20 years. And that's, that's I think, the most incredible part about it because, for me, it just feels like yesterday. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, my story pales in comparison, but— um, Well, it's not a contest, Craig. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like, well, you know, rub-a-dub-dub. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, basically— I remember watching that whole thing, you know, happen, obviously. But the thing that hit me was, uh, you know, sports kind of came back relatively quickly after that. Yeah, I think and, like two weeks or so, yeah. Yeah, and the Dolphins uh, played the Jets. And, right. I remem and I remember that I went to that game. And there was, like, a lot of, like, hesitation and trepidation. Like, are you should you travel and all that stuff? And, and the reality was it was you know, one lunatic murderer that decided to do this. And looking back, it was probably the safest time to ever travel at that time. But at the time, it was like a little scary, you know, to go on a plane. I remember that. Mm -hmm. But I remember going into New York and going down to the World Trade Center. It must, I think it was like seven days later or 10 days later, mm -hmm. not long after that, and still seeing the posters of the people who were looking for, you know, their yeah. family and everything like that and seeing it in the subway and, and those uh, in those areas. So... Uh, it was it was a pretty quick trip that I went to New York after that point. And I remember as soon as we got to New York, me and my videographer, we went right down there first. Like it was like mm -hmm. the first thing that we did. So, yeah, that was it's the, but from. but I remember those NFL games specifically, too. And, you know, those moments with the anthem and and, and I, I can't help but get hung up on this. But I feel like that's why right now when this country is, is going through a lot of growing pains, and a lot of issues and not having the ball game as shallow or silly as that sounds, it makes it harder. It really makes it harder. It's, it's, no, it's a it's good, that it's three a, hours it's a good distraction, but yeah. the problem with this distraction is, is they're that, in danger. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, that's, and that's what makes this so complicated and so complex. And, and you know, it's, we talked about, you know, think about how many things changed post nine 11, right. That we had to adjust to the way we check in at airports, the way bags get checked. The, who, remember, you remember you could actually go and see someone off at the airport, like go in, you wait you by the gate with them. I mean, it's a crazy, like you go back and I think I was like an episode of Friends I was watching or something was on. I was like, oh, you couldn't do that in an airport anymore. There's no way you're getting past security, right? And we think about how, oh my God, you can't, you have to carry this size shampoo and this size this. By yeah, the way, the shampoo, no, not a big deal for me. For the better. But, but it has, but like we think about, okay, well, we're going to have to adjust to wearing masks out for a while. Like we are capable as a society of making adjustments. And I, and I want to remind everybody that a lot's changed in this world in the last 20 years and we make adjustments and this is another adjustment we can make. And it also got me thinking about some of the other transcendent moments that we've had around sports. And uh, obviously some of them as a, as a national transcendent moments, we've had the U S hockey team against Russia, obviously the, do you believe in miracles? 1980. Uh, we had Brandy Chastain and obviously the women's soccer, which absolutely I think captivated in that summer of 99, like everybody was watching it. I remember being late for work at the video store as a college kid because I had to see the end of that game and the penalty kicks and see how it, it just it just encapsulated everybody for that moment. Uh, I thought about Steve Gleason was another one to me when he blocked that punt when they came back from Katrina and, and that the, the swell of that crowd in that moment after going through so much down there in New Orleans. And I feel like the nation was behind that moment. And, and obviously the subsequent years and the Steve Gleason story is a story that 
my goodness, talk about strength and talk about heroism and, and all of that. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, enough can't be said about. And I also think about Jim Valvano's speech at the ESPYs back in 93 about cancer and, you know, how that kind of took hold and became this huge foundation over the years. And, and it's important, you know, sports are entertainment, but they're important. And I don't think that we should dismiss that. And hopefully the athletes will be protected and hopefully we'll have some more of these moments to come this year. I think we need them. And I hope that everyone in the leagues are doing the right things here. And this is why it's very important for these young players to kind of get on board, Craig, and not do the stupid things to endanger their other teammates because you don't want to cost a season here for the entire Major League Baseball just because yeah. one young man or, or one young woman can't possibly stop themselves from, from going out or following proper guidelines. It's nuts. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's the hard thing about this thing. As you mentioned before, if it was just as easy as playing, then I think it'd be fine. Uh, but there, there is a huge risk of something happening to a player, and that's uh, honestly my concern for the NFL. If it wasn't for that, I think that everything would, um, you know, be fine. And as we talked about at the top of the show, I, I certainly think from the NFL's perspective, it was a good sign yesterday that they are going, that they are at least planning on allowing fans. But there's like, there's like a negative to every positive, and like the positive is is the news that we got yesterday that the Ravens are uh, going to allow uh, 14,000 fans. But the negative is like, wow, so that's it. They're only going to allow 14,000 fans. You know that that's the max at this point. But how does look, that work? Is it all the, just the season ticket holders or how, like, I, I'm just trying to they, figure they out. They haven't determined, but my guess is, you know, whoever spends the most gets to go, which, <laughs> which by the way, probably should be. I mean, well, is, that, is, there, is there an argument there? No, <laughs> like people... no. I mean, you know, I, I guess, you know, you know what you're spending to go to those games anyway. Um, somebody posted hey, lux, something, too, about... boxes account for how many seats? 6,000, 7,000, 10,000 in the stadium? Uh, probably, yeah. Probably. Well, I mean, I imagine the luxury boxes are actually more dangerous, uh, potentially, because they're closed-off environments. Maybe with luxury boxes get to sit in the stands. I mean, who knows? Maybe. There's a lot, but it seems like... A seems like the open air things from everything I've been reading, that is where, you know, it's the rate of infection is still present, but open air areas are where it is lower. But the problem is packing people in. The problem is restrooms. The problem is, you know, all those other things, which, there's, you know, there's obviously. There's so much before we get there, but we'll be here uh, for you here on Fantasy Sports right. today to break it all down for sure. Uh, thanks again to Bob Harris for coming on the program today. It was really fun to uh, see Bob and Joe go back and forth on a little fantasy football. Of course, Joe and I. We'll be back here on the show tomorrow and give you an idea as to what's in store. On tomorrow's show, we'll have a NASCAR preview with Fantasy Alarm's Matt Sells. It's not a huge NASCAR weekend, but there is a truck race this weekend, and so Matt will preview uh, that. Uh, also, Gray Albright makes his weekly appearance on our Friday edition of the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that as well. Uh, Joe and I, of course, will be back tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Eastern as we get ready to wrap up yet another week, believe it or not, of fantasy sports today, which is crazy. Time is uh, sort of flying by. And in case you haven't heard, we have a 24-hour radio broadcast going here, and it is Sports Grid Radio. Make sure you follow us there on Twitter, at Sports Grid Radio. You can also go to our YouTube channel and see all the different shows that we have on, and that would include The Morning After. They do a great job uh, Great job right before we come on the air every single day. The early line, they come on very early in the morning. And then Gabe Morency, as well as Scott Farrell. We have a great group of people here at Sports Grid, and it's only getting bigger. Pat McAfee has joined us. FanDuel Sportsbook is our partner. And we're just getting started here at Sports Grid. So for my co-host, Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. Thanks to Brett, Danny, and Ryan for producing our show once again today. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Until then, have a great night, everybody. See you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.